takes a lot to get to that start line. Overcoming self-doubt and, you know, I'm not good enough, I don't look like a runner, or whatever the case may be. But then they do it and the look on the face just, just tells you everything. And that's, that's who I'm really inspired by. That was Deborah Halliday-Mills, and this is episode 11 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. Today, we're talking with Deborah Halliday-Mills, who I met earlier this year when I snagged a spot on her charity team for the Chicago Marathon. Deb is the charity and event manager for an amazing global nonprofit called 261 Fearless, whose mission is to empower women through running. Affectionately known as Fearless Deb, she describes how she found running at the age of 40 while going through a challenging time in her life. As a proud back of the packer who has now completed 17 half marathons and eight full marathons, Deb shares how she came to work for 261 Fearless, the positive impact they're having on women all around the world, the small world connection she has with both Kim and I, and the story behind the scar on her face from an encounter with the great Meb Kofleski. This episode absolutely encapsulates what so many of us know in our hearts to be true, that running really can change your life. And now on to our conversation with Fearless Deb Halliday Mills. Well, Fearless Deb, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here and to meet you both. Well, Carolyn, I've already met you sort of virtually, I guess, but it's a pleasure to be here today. Well, we're really happy to have you here, for sure. I I hear there are some connections that we've got between the three of us, or at least between the two of you. Oh, yes. There's so much to explore, so much I want to dive into with you. But I would love for you to just kind of set the stage for us and start by telling us a little bit about yourself and kind of when and how running came into your life. Sure. So I'm an international person of the world, I guess you could say. I've been fortunate to live all over the world. And I now call New Jersey home, where I met my husband. And I'm now a mom to three sons, which keep me very busy. A house full of, you know, cleats and football stuff and soccer stuff and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Two dogs, a cat, a lizard, and uh, just a lot of fun and a lot of adventure with the family. And um, I found running when I turned 40. I just turned 51 a couple of months ago. And um, so, yeah, I turned 40 and took up running. I had never ever in my life done anything athletic ever. I was one of those kids that was always like hit first in dodgeball, you know, in gym class and, <laughs> and last um, for the teams at recess. <laughs> I was that kid. <laughs> and I thought I can never do anything athletic. And I turned 40 and, you know, a lot of stuff was going on in life. And I, I said, you know what, I'm going to try and run. And I did. And here we are. (laughs) Now I work for a running organization and running is a big part of my life. I work as the charity manager for 261 Fearless. We are a global uh, nonprofit that empowers women through running. And if you had told me like 11 years ago that I would be doing this, I'd be saying you're absolutely insane. But um, but here we are. (laughs) Well, let's dig into that a little bit more. So what, like, tell us about, so you turned 40 and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to run. So was it a race that you had targeted or what was your first run? Well, I had a friend who had um, just run a half marathon and I was like, you know, 
she did that. She's amazing. Why can't I do that too? So that's what I did. You know, I was turning 40. My being at home with the three kids was challenging. And I had struggled with depression a lot in my life. And I was really struggling with depression again. And I'd been giving so much to everybody and nothing to myself that I needed just time alone, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you were full-time parenting at that point? Yeah. I mean, uh, life had really been turned upside down for me. You know, I had a big career ahead of me in corporate America when I was in my 20s, um, got married, and I just like had everything all planned out for myself. And um, then, you know, we had kids. And um, when my eldest turned three, he became very seriously ill. And um, we knew that we had quite a long road ahead of us. He um he had cataracts in both eyes and was uh, diagnosed with a disease called uveitis. And he was literally like two weeks away from going blind. Mm, you know, was, wow. Yeah. And he ended up being on like chemotherapy for like 10 years and experimental drug therapy, all sorts of stuff. And he was very, very ill. And I had to be at home with him. There was no way that I could go back to work because he would you know, sometimes be off school for six weeks at a time with his health and things. And uh, my commitment was was to him, to his care and looking after my other two kids. And um, I just couldn't go back to work. And, you know, everything kind of just flipped upside down. And um, when my third son was born, I was really struggled with postpartum depression. And um, I just I was just in a really, really bad place. (laughs) And I just needed that time um, just outside of the house sort of on my own, breathing in the fresh air and looking at the beautiful surroundings and just moving to help my mm. mental health and, uh, you know, just my overall well-being. Wow. I mean, I think so many of us can relate to your story in the sense that uh, we give and give and give so much, especially as women, I think, in our lives, like to so many other people and things. And it's like we there comes a point where we go, oh, wait a second. <laughs> what about me? And it, it really sounds like when you found running or you got introduced to it through your friend or that seed was planted of like a half marathon, why not me? Yeah. There was something that woke up inside of you that was like, hey, I can be giving to others, but I can also be really filling up my own cup. So tell us a little bit about like what running did for you at that time when you were so depleted, it sounds like, in other areas of your life. How did running wake you up there? You know, it gave me some confidence um, that, you know, I, I really found, felt that I was losing myself and I was just spinning in circles. You know, my whole life was looking after my children, but I needed you know, I'd, like I said, I'd had a whole career planned, everything else. And like, I had no goal at that point, just like getting through each day was the goal, but I needed something bigger than that. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I think racing gives to you. Um, you know, you have a plan, you have to follow the plan to cross that finish line. And it's like, you have something really to look forward to. And, um, and that really helped. Like I did a 5k it was my very first race was a 5k. And then I was like, oh, I've got to do a half marathon. So, you know, a couple months later, I did a half marathon. I was like, I got to go all the way. I got to do a marathon. It's like my third race was a full marathon. (laughs) (laughs) And and I just, I've fallen in love with like the half and the full marathon distance. And I just love that time outside. And, you know, I'm a back of the packer. Uh, I, I love 
being at the end of the start of the race, that's where the party is, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I just, I really enjoy that. It is, it just gave me something to look forward to the excitement of training for something and having that goal and going out and accomplishing it. Love it. I love everything about that. I'm smiling so big right now because that's that's so many of our experience or at least the guests that we've had on so far. It's like, yes, there was just something that lit me up about about running and the goals and the the accomplishment and the sense of community and the yep. partying after all of it is just so good. And so did you end up doing you said you ended up doing that half marathon. Your first one was a 5K yep. and then the half and then a full The full was your third. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a bit about your racing history then. Like, were they all road runs or did you do some trail? I've done a couple of trail. So, yeah, I have done um, mostly road races. Um, I've done, let's see, I'm training for my eighth marathon right now. And I just completed my 17th half marathon, um, a couple of virtual ones that I've just done. And um, I've done New York City three times, which is just the most amazing experience. We live just outside of Manhattan, so I'm nice and close, and I just love the New York City Marathon. Um, done um, Two years ago, I did a women's only trail marathon in England, which was really cool. It was a heck of a race. That sounds fun. <laughs> a couple hundred women, and it was all along the coast of Devon in the south of England, and it was absolutely beautiful through like farm lanes and along the cliffs and just oh it was absolutely breathtaking and uh yeah story with that one I got attacked by three dogs um I was by myself on a little country lane and I got bit in the back of the leg by one of the yeah (laughs) so uh, I certainly had to be fearless to overcome that at mile 24 yeah Um, yeah Um, and then I had the opportunity, actually, when I had just started running, to run in Leadville. I did the heavy half marathon in Leadville in Colorado, which was absolutely amazing because I just finished reading the uh, Born to Run book. And then I, we were going on vacation with my parents out to Colorado and saw that we were going to be near Leadville. I was like, Leadville? I just read about Leadville. And they're just happy to be like their trail marathon and heavy half going on the same weekend we were there. So that was definitely a highlight of my trail running. So did your legs feel as heavy as the altitude often makes mine feel? Yeah, it was, you know, I live in New Jersey. We're not really, you know, known for our mountains in New Jersey. Rolling mountains, no. (laughs) So, you know, running up to like over 13,000 feet was was quite something. But, you know, the adrenaline and just the views and just the excitement just, oh, it just made up for all, you know, any kind of altitude illness or anything like that. (laughs) So it sounds like you've ran a bit of road and trails. Do you, as a... Carolyn mentioned, do you have a preference? Well, I got to say I am partial to trails. Um, Where I live in New Jersey, we're like in the northwestern corner. So it's very, very rural. And we have some amazing rail trails here. And um, pretty much guaranteed to see a lot of bears. So yeah, I see bears fairly regularly, actually. And I just love that about running around here is the wildlife. People think in New Jersey, they think of like Newark or like industrial or like, you know, that exactly. Kind of- That's what I was just thinking. Like New York and New Jersey don't exactly bring bears to mind when I first think of them. But yeah, I mean, there's nature everywhere you go. Absolutely. And, you know, we have just so much here to see. We live in a more rural area, like I said, and we get bears in the backyard all the time. So it's it's quite a thrill to go out and sort of come around a corner and there's a bear. <laughs> I love the fact that it doesn't stop you. Like, oh, it's just part of the experience. There's a bear. Keep going. <laughs> Fearless step. 
spirits. <laughs> yeah, fearless Deb, for sure. So you you just touched on it when you were introducing yourself, and I've also read this in various places when I was doing my homework on you, but um, read that you're a proud back of the packer yeah. and that you passionately tell women that if they run, they are a runner. So yeah. can you expand on that? Does that come into your work with 261? Well, like, tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, back of the packer to me, I mean, like I said earlier, that's where the party is. Like, where else do you see someone dressed as like a gladiator or as the Eiffel Tower? You know, <laughs> the pack of a marathon. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, and that, that's one thing that I struggled with. I mean, it's a whole, a whole other conversation, but it's like the body image of a runner. You know, when you tell yourself, like when, before I became a runner, I'd have this, you know, I close my eyes and picture a runner as like a very fit, tall, slender, you know, and I don't look like that. I'm, you know, 30 pounds overweight, but I run. And that was really something that I had to come to grips with that runners, if you put on your shoes and you go outside and you run a mile, you're a runner. It doesn't matter how fast you go, how far you go. And it was really brought home to me after I ran, it was my second marathon. I ran the New York City Marathon. That was my second marathon. And I was so proud of myself. And I had on my, you know, my my um, New York City shirt. And I was running just around the our park locally. And a man stopped me. He was an older guy. And he said, oh, did you just run the New York City Marathon? I said, yes, I did. And he says, what was your time? And I did it in 545. And I was so proud of myself. And he laughed at me. Oh, laughed in my face. Oh, yeah. And that's me in the gut. Yeah. And, you know, it was like talking about sucking all the joy out of you, you know, but I I cried for a couple of days after he said that. But then I realized I covered the same 26.2 miles as everybody else did. And it doesn't matter how fast I went or how slow I went. I still covered those 26.2 miles and I am still a runner. Well, you know, in the ultra community, uh, when races can last days, right, (laughs) Uh, one to two days, I've got to say the runners that are out there twice as long as the elites are suffering way more. (laughs) They're dealing with dehydration for longer. They're dealing with calorie problems for longer. You know, everybody's got their own challenges. It's hard running fast and it's hard it's hard completing the distance no matter how long it takes you. And, and I have, I will be honest, way more respect for the people out there five hours uh, than those even out for four, right? Yeah. It's, it's hard to keep going that long, really. I was trying to say to myself, hey, anyone can run a two and a half hour marathon. It's those of us that are out there for six hours. Those are- yes, <laughs> absolutely. Well, and I think it brings something really important up that I'm not sure is talked about enough. And that is, I think running can be a really intimidating sport to get into for all of the reasons that you just said. Like if if what comes to mind when we picture a runner is this tall, lean, gaunt kind of a, an image, then you think, oh my goodness, that's not for me. That Like I could never do that. And, and that, like imagine how many people that is keeping out of our sport. And and to to be able to say that like anybody can run it doesn't matter what you look like we come in all shapes and sizes everybody is welcome here yep. i just think that we can't have too many people 
spreading that message. So I just want to personally thank you for for continuing to show up and get involved and and spread the message to to the back of the Packers, the front of the Packers, whoever, yeah. right? Like we yeah. can all do this if we have a desire to do this. Absolutely. And then that's really what drew me so much to to like why I'm so passionate about what I do right now for 261 Fearless. Um should I explain a little bit what 261 is all Yes, please. Just why don't you talk to us a bit about 261 Fearless and how you came to be involved with that organization. Sure. So we are, like I said earlier, we're a global women's running nonprofit. So 261 Fearless started back in 1967 originally um, with Catherine Switzer. Um, she was like a 20-year-old student and she wanted to run. She wanted to run a marathon. She wanted to run the Boston Marathon. So she signed up to run and got to the starting line and started running. And around mile two of the Boston Marathon, the race director saw her and attacked her because she was a woman, because women were not allowed to run marathons because it wasn't dainty. We weren't strong enough. We would get big legs, grow hair on our chest, and our uteruses would fall out. Of course. Of course. All of that would happen, right? Well, it's happened to me. It hasn't happened to you. <laughs> other things fall out. That's a whole other story, but not my uterus yet. Other things, yes, but not my uterus. My toenails. My toenails <laughs> yeah, fall out. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was 1967, and women were not allowed to run. Because we were so weak and unable to do it. So it, this just all happened to happen um, in front of the press truck and when she was pushed off the course. And so it was all photographed. And she was wearing the bib number 261. So he, Jock Semple was the race director, and he grabbed her, her numbers off of her back and, you know, said, you've got to get out of the course. But she had men running with her who protected her and pushed him out of the way. And she kept on running. And she just wanted to run. And so she, Catherine Switzer, was the first woman to officially enter and finish the Boston Marathon. And that was in 1967. And when she saw all the newspaper reports and everything about it afterwards, she's like, this is like, this is a real pivotal moment for women in sports. Like, I just want to run and other women want to run. You know, so she became a real activist for women in sports. She was instrumental in getting the women's marathon in the Olympics. And, um, you know, she won herself like the New York City Marathon in 1974, and she went back to, to run Boston again. And in 2017, she ran the 50th anniversary of her, her Boston run from 1967. So um, that is a little history of the number 261. So over the years, she just kept getting like letters from women saying, you know, I, I've tattooed the number 261 on me um, because you've inspired me so much. And I just feel fearless when... I see the number 261 and it inspires me so much, like, you know, the things that you've overcome and what you've done for women running. And she realized, like, I've got to do something with this, you know, because women need this and women are, are asking for this. And that, that number 261 just gives them so much strength. So in 2015, she created 261 Fearless. And we are all about non-competitive, non-performance based running for women to take their very first steps as runners. I mean, we welcome all women, no matter what their running background is, but we do really focus a lot on women that have never run before because like we've talked about, you know, they can be intimidated or whatever at a, a normal run club. But if you go to someplace that's just women where you're welcomed and it doesn't matter 
what your background is, if you've ever run a step before, you are just as much part of that club as anyone else. And when women take those first few steps running in that supportive environment and they realize, I never thought I could run, but I'm running, what else can I do with my life? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this whole story gives me goosebumps because... Again, I'm going to preface this with like, this might be my privilege talking, but it had never, ever occurred to me. I was running along about, you know, six or eight months ago, Uh listening to a podcast where the podcast host, Lindsay Hine, was interviewing Catherine Switzer. Yeah. And I'm like, the whole time, like light bulbs going off. I'm like, I did not ever realize I had anyone to thank, (laughs) you know, for my, for my right to run that, that it's very uh, normal for me. It has never occurred to me that it's abnormal in all my life. And this is just one generation ago. Catherine Switzer is like my mom's age, you know, and in all my life and I'm 42, it has never occurred to me that it's an odd or unusual thing that I'm out there running and, and pursuing my running. And you know, what What I thought was so funny in their conversation was that in 1967, it was all about the reasons you just said, like, women can't do it. They're not fit enough, strong enough. The uterus is going to fall out, all of that. Yeah. And then I believe 50 years later in 2017, she ran it when she was 70. Yeah. And they were all saying, oh, you can't do it. Aren't, shouldn't you be slowing down? You're getting older. And I just think, like, this woman's life, she's just been, like, breaking down these barriers and it's just amazing. Like she, she is, uh, she's absolutely a trailblazer. And so I picked up her book, Marathon Woman. If people haven't read this book, like you've got to go in and read this book and get the whole backstory on this. And it's, she was like relentless in her like fight for women. And, and like you said, getting the the marathon into the 1984 LA Olympics and, and just, ugh, she's just done so much for the sport. And I don't even think many of us realize yeah. that that there was that trailblazer out there for us. It's so important to know the history of where we've been as women runners. I really, really strongly believe that to know. Because, yeah, like you say, I I mean, I'm 51. 1967 happened two years before I was born. Mm -hmm. Not that long ago, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no, not at all. And, And I've heard her say, actually, maybe you can comment on this since you you know her. I've heard her say that it actually wasn't so much the men that she had to convince it was actually other women. And there's a picture in her book, I think, where she's running the New York City Marathon. And there were some, now this could have just been like a fluke, but there was some like funny looks on the the women spectators' faces at her watching her go by. And so she said, yeah, it was never the men. Like the men were always really inclusive and and really supportive, but it was the women I had to convince. (laughs) Well, it almost choked me up when you talked about this pack of men around her during that first marathon that protected her and kept her going. Like, wow. You know, I've often said running's not a punishment. It's a gift, right? It's a right. It's a privilege. Not everybody can run for multiple reasons, but it's not, I have to run today. It's always been for me. I get to run today. And this just highlights it even more like from another angle, you know, my legs work. I live in a country that has trails and I can freely run outside. And, and as a woman, I don't have to worry about being excluded. Like there's so many layers to that. It's, it's, it's really heavy, honestly. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's that's what we do is that we give that empowerment to women to, you know, to overcome fearful situations. So essentially we we have a network of clubs around the world. And what happens at a 261 Fearless, it's called a meet run, right? What happens is a meet run is we meet an hour every week. And in that time, um, we play like, I know it sounds sounds kind of silly, but we play games and we play things like tag. And mm-hmm. when you put tag, you can incorporate like strength movements in there, you know, like duck, duck, goose, you can mm-hmm. squat and, you know, you can do leg lifts and you have to like sit on the ground and then get up and sit on the ground and get up. And you don't realize when you're playing games like that, just how much you run. And yeah. women don't realize that because all you hear is laughter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like being a kid on the school ground again, you know, in the schoolyard, when you were in second grade running around playing tag with your friends and you're laughing and being goofy. And like, you know, I don't know if, if you guys maybe are younger, but like we used to play Wonder Woman, you know, like spinning around in the circle and then run after everybody because we were Wonder Woman. <laughs> and um, and it just gives so much joy when you're playing silly games. So yeah. We do like some like some running technique drills, like, you know, proper footfall and like, you know, how to hold your head and your neck and what to do with your hands when you're running. So we'll have like a little sort of lesson on that and some drills to go along with that. Um, Then we'll do a little bit of strength exercises, maybe some core work. We'll play some games, like maybe do like a relay races, that kind of thing. And then um, and then we'll do like a group run at the end for about 20 minutes. So because we incorporate so many different levels of runners and walkers as well. We have a lot of walkers who don't run. They, they walk with us. Um, we have different tips and like uh, techniques so, to keep the group together. So no one is ever left behind, mm-hmm. you know, so that if you're running there, you are a runner and it doesn't yeah. matter that, you know, you are new or not at the same pace as everybody else. We, we managed to stick together as a group. I had my own club for a little while and, and some of the women that I worked with, um, one was, was very, very meaningful and it, it took really encapsulated everything that 261 is about. She had always wanted to run and she joined a local, like a typical, I guess you could say like running group where everyone's like separated by paces, like, okay, we're running, you know, five miles today at like a nine minute pace, whatever. And, and she wasn't able to do that. And people would be like, Oh, I don't want to run with you. Like, Oh, I have to run with you. You know? And it was just like, I don't want to be part of, I, I, I am not welcome. And I just want to learn and be with people and run. And then she found us and she's like, I'm with everybody all the time. You know, (laughs) another woman, she was like, she ran nonstop for 10 minutes. And she burst into tears. She said, I've never done that before. I just ran 10 minutes without stopping. And she was in tears, so proud of herself, you know? And that is just gives you so much joy to be someone who is discovering a love of movement and like, I did it, you know? Yeah. I did it. <laughs> and these are five-year-old women, you know? And it's just, it's so empowering to see that. Well, and if you even think back to kind of how you were introduced to it, like imagine if there was like I know you you found the sport and you had you said you had a friend that introduced you. So maybe your your introduction was was positive as well. But I'm just saying, like, imagine that you had plunked yourself into this environment where it was like play and joy and games and and you're in the you know your life was going on you know the way you described it with your sick child and and 
kind of losing yourself a little bit. And then this was your, the highlight, the one hour highlight of your week. Like just imagine how many more people would be able to not just come to the sport, but stay with the sport if that was the, the environment that they found themselves in. So I, oh, thank you for sharing those stories. Those are great. Yeah. We've been so fortunate to reach out to women around the world. Like we're on five different continents. You know, we've had, we've only been in operation really for like four years in terms of clubs. And so we've really, really grown a lot and we're, we're looking to grow more. So if anyone's interested in, in forming a club, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Well, you know, Karen and I were just talking. I said, are, are there any clubs in Winnipeg? She says, no. Are there any clubs in Canada? Not that we know of. Like, why uh, not? Well, and, and for those listening, this is actually how um, how Deb and I came to meet because I I was um, running the Chicago Marathon and I was raising money for two six one to to run the Chicago Marathon, which of course has now been canceled due due to COVID. But I continued to raise the money. I think as as of this recording, I'm fourteen dollars shy. <laughs> of my fundraising target. But when I was doing my research, uh, you know, to before contacting you, I was like, this organization is just amazing. Um, And I, I look up and all the countries that it's in and I'm like, you know, I'm seeing like Albania and Austria, New Zealand, and like the, you know, Congo and all these places. And I'm like, there is no club in Canada. Like, I think we have to do something about that. (laughs) (laughs) So Deb, can you break it down for us a little bit more about your involvement with 261 Fearless. So we have the history now, and I know you are charity manager now, but how has your career with them, or maybe not career might not be the right word, but your association and involvement with, with the organization, how has that progressed? Well, it's, it's, you know, I always say it's serendipity, like you never know what's going to happen in your life. And sometimes it's just like a chance encounter that can change everything. So, um, it was 19 or 19, uh, 2015. And, you know, I've been following Catherine Switzer for a while. So I, I knew her story and everything. And um, so it was 2014. And I was um, running the New York City Marathon. And I was at the expo and I saw that she was there too. So I was like, oh my gosh, Catherine Switzer's here. So I got in line and, you know, I got her book and we talked for a minute and she signed it and everything. And I was just like, oh, you know, fangirling everywhere. And then, uh, she had just was just starting to form 261 Fearless. So um, they were looking for ambassadors. So I signed up to be an ambassador for 261. And they were just launching the ambassador program. And it was a Sunday and I just run a half marathon that day. And I heard that Catherine was speaking the next day, um, you know, like an hour and a half away from where I live. And I was like, I should really go. And I was like, no, I'm too tired. I just ran half. I'm just, you know, I'm sore, I'm achy. I don't want, and then like, you know what? No, I've got to go. So I went and I introduced myself and I said, you know, we met last year and I'm one of your ambassadors. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you're the first ambassador I've ever met for 261. I'm so excited. And and we got to talking and she said, Debbie, she said, in a couple of weeks, we are having our very first train the trainer program in New York City. And I'd like to invite you to come. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like me? (laughs) And I'm like, you know, if Catherine Switzer is inviting you to a running weekend in New York City in a brownstone on the upper upper west side, like or east side, like hello, you have to go. <laughs> you have to go. 
So it was this incredible group of women from around the world. We had people there from Australia, from Malaysia, from Iceland, from, you know, all over the States. And we spent like three days in this brownstone just talking about, you know, the concept of 261 and how to start a run club and what the philosophy was all about. And we would go out and run together in Central Park. And it was the weekend of the um, 2015 New York City Marathon. I wasn't running it that year, but we were all, some of the ladies were, and I palled up with um, a friend of mine there, Rosie, that I'd met that weekend, and we spectated, and we just like ran all over the city, What we, like we ran over 13 miles just spectating <laughs> the New York City Marathon, and we were standing at the finish line as like the back of the Packers were coming in, you know, like my, my, my people, <laughs> and I looked up, and we were standing underneath Catherine Switzer's like winner's uh, flag at the finish line. And everyone's coming in and like some people are crying, some people are laughing, some are limping, you know, and you looked at their faces and every single face told a story as to why they were there. Like all 55,000 runners had a reason for being there. And, and all of a sudden I felt like I found, I found where I need to be. Like I found my tribe. Mm-hmm. It's Empowering women, it's moving, it's feeling healthy about yourself, it's overcoming things. This is where I'm supposed to be. And I went back to the brownstone and said to Catherine and to Edith, who is our CEO, I said, I want to be part of this organization. Like, I am meant to be here. And I just started out volunteering. And then as we grew, it developed into this charity manager job. So I now manage all of our charity teams, like for marathons, for our fundraising. So like for Boston and New York City, the Marine Corps and Chicago marathons. So I head up all of our fundraising teams for that. So it's it's been a challenging year <laughs> for charity. Mm, <laughs> such a challenging year. I know because this is such a huge way that you you make your money, right? For the charity or the charity brings in money. Yeah. So I was curious. Like it, it's easy to focus on the downsides uh, of this year because there have been so many um, for so many people, but. I'm wondering if there's if there have been any upsides. Have there been any hidden blessings in terms of of like how you've pivoted or like how you how you've gone about approaching your work? Oh, absolutely. I mean, this has been. I mean, you know, it's not been an easy year. You know, I've got several colleagues of mine from different charities that have lost their jobs. You know, and obviously fundraising has not been easy in this time of COVID with everyone losing their jobs and health issues and things like that. But I tell you. Um, you know, a lot of people have the dream of running the Boston Marathon. That's a huge goal. And we raise a lot of money for our organization through the Boston Marathon. So, of course, when it went virtual, there was a huge amount of disappointment and, and people were, were understandably upset um, because a lot of their their big goal of running Boston was now not going to happen this year. But I tell you, the positivity from our runners and seeing people still run their Bostons in their own communities was so affirming and so wonderful to see like people really got into it you know with the balloons and like the chalk the sidewalk chalk finish lines and their families there and I it just it was so meaningful to see these people really just like embrace the situation and make the best of it that they could you know and we still had a lot of people that finished their fundraising and you know worked really hard understanding that it was more than just the race. It's also the mission of what we're doing and what they're supporting. 
you know, and then, then as an organization as well, we really had to pivot to to reach our women because obviously we couldn't have our meet runs where everybody gets together and, you know, does relay games and things and plays tag. You can't do that in the current of So we started doing a lot more online stuff and um, we created an open house series. So like every two weeks, like at the height of, of all the lockdowns and now once a month, we have an open house for our 261 Fearless members around the world. And we have like a different theme each time. And... It could be about like gratitude, like what are you grateful for? Like, you know, in, in the times of high stress, like we were all talking and sharing different things that we're grateful for. Our open house last week was all about the power of girlfriends, like how we support each other and what we do for each other. So it's very uplifting discussions and people would bring like their cultural backgrounds and their personal stories and sharing that. And we weren't necessarily talking about running, but running is what brought us all together. And it really offered a lot of support to our members, like over the last few months. Wow, I want to be a part of this group. (laughs) (laughs) This sounds amazing. Wow. So, you know, I'm curious, you, you, you stated in the beginning that you found running and one of the things that attracted you to running was that you had a goal, like you set a goal to do a race. And you are the charity manager for this company that focuses on raising money through races. Yet a large part of your core values is non-competitive running, right? So I can understand why, you know, I can understand that. Absolutely. As somebody's getting into running and, you know, finding their fit and they're gaining their confidence, that's super, super important. But there are people who do bridge that gap that do eventually want to become competitive. Mm-hmm. So um, can you tell us any stories about that? Any people that that's happened to in your organization or how you support people through that potential jump? That's empowerment right there. And it's like kind of we fulfilled our mission for them. You know, they found a goal that's something they they never thought they could do. And now they're going to do it. And that's what we've enabled them to do. Um, our, our members don't have to run marathons. They don't have to, you know, run races or anything like that. They can just come to our meet runs and have a great time and go home feeling empowered and feeling healthy. And then there's like the other stream of of our supporters that want to raise money for us. And it's a real mix of, and we have men too on our, on our, our charity teams. Like you don't have to just be a woman to be on our charity teams. We have plenty of men as well. <laughs> and we've had people that they've never run a marathon and their first marathon is with us. And they think, you know, I don't know if I can do this, you know, raising, I mean, raising $9,000 for Boston this year, that's a huge undertaking plus training and everything else. So, um, you know, there, there's so many different women that make up our 261 Fearless family. And if they want to run a marathon and they feel like they can, then that's awesome. You know, that's just, that's empowerment right there. Yeah. It's not a requirement, but it's something they can do if they want. Absolutely. Absolutely. Totally. No one has to run a marathon. No one has to run a 5k or a one miler. If they just want to come and run with us for an hour each week, that's awesome too. You know, that's, we love it either way. Yeah. And that's running. Like you said, you are a runner. If you take, you know, a few strides. <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah. And a lot of this conversation we we have spent talking about how you and and your organization empowers women. I'm curious what women or what woman has been particularly inspirational to you 
in your life? Do you have any women that you look up to or that have really helped you along through difficult times in your life? Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, obviously, I mean, Catherine started everything, right? She's the woman that we all look up to. I've been lucky to know a lot of women in my life that have really inspired me. But, you know, I, I am inspired by the woman who says that I can't do something and then realizes that she can. Because I know there are so many women out there. And I was one of those women. And I know exactly what it's like. And it's when they cross that threshold you know, of thinking I can't do it to all of a sudden I can do it. Mm-hmm. And that is what is most inspiring to me, I think, just that self-doubt to confidence. And I'm yeah. just constantly inspired by women like that. And that's why I love standing at finish lines and seeing people cross those finish lines because you know it took a lot to get there, right? <laughs> like for a marathon or whatever, even just a one mile race, if they've never done it before, it takes a lot to get to that start line. Overcoming self-doubt and, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't look like a runner or whatever the case may be. But then they do it and the look on the face just just tells you everything. And that's, that's who I'm really inspired by. Because I, I know I was there and I know that feeling of just utter self-doubt that mm-hmm. I'm not good at this. What am I doing here? And then you do it and you're like, oh my gosh, what yeah. else? What else? What else? Yeah. You can just hear it in your voice. Like I can just hear the passion and the soul and it's, you're talking from a place that you know intimately and uh, it comes through. And I, I think the runners that run with you and your organization are so fortunate to have people like you that care that care enough to dedicate your life now to this mission. It's, it's amazing. I, and we, we all, we do care. And the women that are part of our organization, they really get it. You know, um, just, it's all about helping each other. I mean, there's a lot of ways we can be beaten down in society, whether it's body image or, you know, you're staying at home with your kids or you're out working with your kids. Either one is not right, you know, or whatever. The mom guilt, constant. <laughs> The guilt or whatever it is, it's constant. So it's just about supporting each other and realizing there's all different ways of living your life. And you got to find the one that's right for you and and get the support that you need to make it through. Because life is not easy always. It's pretty hard, you know. Yeah. And, um, and having that sisterhood, it just helps so much. It really does. Absolutely. So what is next for you? What what's on what's on your radar, whether it's, you know, when races open back up or just life goals? What's what's going on for De- fearless Deb? You know, I, I've got to do an Ironman one day. I have <gasps> Because, you know, I got to go all out. So um, <laughs> I, I like having that big goal. So one day I'm going to do an Ironman. So, um, but I, I, I mean, I have to get over some fears to do that because I am afraid of swimming in open water. And it's something I have to, I really want to get over. And I love riding my bike, but I am nervous on the road. So I want to mm-hmm. overcome those two things <laughs> and, and move it, you know, move to an Ironman. And I really want to get, I, I just, I want that feeling of accomplishment, you know, because it takes a year to train for that or, and I just, that's a, it's a goal and it's something that I really want to do. Well, now that you've had a taste of confidence and and accomplishing goals, it's addictive, isn't it? It's like, then there's always something more to learn and some fear to banish and some 
some goal to achieve, right? So that's exciting. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to write a book. I've been saying for years, I'm going to write a book. And gosh darn it, I'm going to write a book. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you have an amazing skill set, like through what you've learned um, by overcoming self-doubt and and all of the things that you teach through running. I mean, it really is the same, I think, when you apply it to the Ironman or to anything, right? And and that's that empowerment. That's that confidence that you're talking about. Oh, that's so cool. One other thing I wanted to just touch on because we don't have time to go into all of this, but there's so many bizarre similarities that we have in terms of like small world stories, like knowing the same people, uh, growing up in the same town, like, and not knowing that we did until till just the other day, like very bizarre things. So, um, and even with Kim, we all have this little Vancouver Island connection. So maybe you could talk about some of our, our, our connections. Sure. So, um, you know, as, so as charity manager, I, I, you know, in charge of all of our fundraising and things, I get checks uh, coming in from, from our runners. And a couple of weeks ago, this check arrived and it was for Carolyn for her, her fundraising. And it was from an organization in Brockville, Ontario. And I was like, Brockville, Ontario. Why she lives in Manitoba? What's she doing from Brockville, Ontario? And I was like, I went to boarding school in Brockville, <laughs> and so I emailed Carolyn and I said, "So, what's your connection to Brockville? Do you have family there? Because I used to go to the school called Grenville Christian College." And she emails right back, "I went to Grenville Christian." <laughs> It was the weird, like, and so I, my yearbook, of course, I don't, I don't have it here in Manitoba, but my brother was going back to visit my parents. And I was like, look it up in the yearbook, because I know we must have been there at the same time. And so he does, and he takes pictures of of you and your brother in the yearbook, and I sent them to you. Uh, And actually, I'm not even joking you, when I saw your picture from the yearbook, because of course, I was, I went there for grades like four, five, and six. And I think you were there for 12 and 13. 13, yeah. So I would look through the yearbook at all the older like the older people I oh I want to be like them like just read all their like little bios or their graduation messages or whatever so as soon as I saw your picture I was like I totally remember you <laughs> isn't that bizarre oh my goodness yeah. and then the Vancouver Island yes so like yeah my family lives in Vancouver Island I'm in New Jersey but my mom and my brother and his family live on Vancouver Island which is where you and him used to live <laughs> yes Yes. And Kim and I still need to do a podcast on this because we didn't know each other when we lived there. So she was there from like 2000 to 2015, I think. And then I was there from 2016 to 2018. So we missed there. And then when I moved here, so she moved here in 2015 and then I moved here in 2018. And people kept being like, are you sure you don't know her? And like when enough people asked me that, I was like, I got to look into this Kim because she sounds pretty cool. And now here we are starting the podcast. So. I just thought that would be fun to touch on. Oh, my goodness. Well, I hope so much to meet you IRL someday in real life um, because I was so looking forward to meeting you at the Chicago Marathon, which is, um, well, it was supposed to be this coming up weekend. So as of this recording, it's, um, yeah, it was going to be this weekend and it's such a bummer and I will get back there someday. Um, But I I sure do hope our paths cross in real life. I'm sure they will. 
I'm sure. They yeah. Will. Yeah. So um, we have a few end of the podcast questions, just five really quick questions. Okay. Um, are you ready to go with those? I am ready to go. Okay. Do you have a favorite mantra? I do. Well, actually I actually have two. Um, one of them is it's, it's all part of the adventure. <laughs> My kids get sick and tired. Like, Mom, shut up saying that. <laughs> But it's like, it's all part of the adventure. Life is we get one, you know, and we've got to make make of it the most that we can. And my other mantra is stand sure. So my family is Scottish and that is actually our clan. I'm part of the clan Anderson. And that is our clan motto to stand sure, to be mm. sure of yourself and confident. So I really, really like that. <laughs> Those are great. Those are awesome. And actually new. I haven't heard Stan Sure before. I can always yeah. use another mantra in my back pocket. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you've ran in a lot of different places from the sounds of it. Um, eight marathons, 17 halves, um, work for a company that's international. What is your favorite place to run? If you could teleport anywhere tomorrow, where would you go? You know, it would be in the mountains somewhere on the West Coast. I am partial to mountains. I've been to Yosemite and that was like one of the most amazing places. I would love to run through Yosemite and I would also love to run around Moraine Lake in Banff. Uh, The scenery, that blue water and those magnificent mountains. Oh, I would just love to do that. Yeah, you need to do that. Trust me. (laughs) I haven't done Yosemite, but I have done the latter and it's as amazing as it looks. Yeah. All right, Carolyn. Next question. <laughs> do you have any races on your bucket list? I do. Other than my Ironman, um, I would like to run the Iceland Volcano Marathon. I would love to run in Iceland amongst the volcanoes. It's not too far away from us here, <laughs> and I would love to do that. I would also love to run the Easter Island Marathon. Mm. Um, I think oh. I've always wanted to go to Easter Island, and I know they have a marathon there, so maybe one day. These five questions are very dangerous because I am like amassing quite a list of places I want to go. Yeah, places you want to go and books you want to read. So that's my question now is what is your favorite running book or movie if you're not a reader? Oh, I am definitely a reader. And my favorite book is called Girl Runner by Carrie Snyder. Um, it's about a woman. It's, It's based on the 1928 Olympics and the Canadian women's track team. And it's a novel sort of made up of a bunch of different characters, like rolled into into the main character. And it's she won the Olympic gold medal um, in the 800 meters in 1928 in the Olympics. And it's the story of this woman told from her perspective when she's like 104 years old in a nursing home. Oh, oh wow. I got to okay. put that on my list. Yeah. <laughs> Audible download favorite list. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Harry <laughs> Snyder. It's awesome. Final question. What is your favorite post-run indulgence? Without hesitation, after a marathon, it's a cold beer and a really juicy burger. Yes. <laughs> so can I tell you a story? Yes. Yes. This is my, my, my favorite for running kind of fun related story. So I have a reputation of being a little bit of a stalker from Meb Kapleski. <laughs> Join the club. <laughs> This is my fir- okay. This is my first race that I'm as a charity manager, right? So like, you know, it was a New York City Marathon in 2017, and um, I was leading like some of my runners. We were walking to the expo um, at the at the Jacob Javits Center, so we're walking down like Ninth Avenue or something, and we pass 
the sky and I'm like, oh my God, that's Meb Kaplaski. I'm like, Meb, Meb. And he turns around and he waves. And I was like, can we take a picture with you? <laughs> He's like, sure, come on. He was going into like this little nondescript hotel. So we went into the lobby and we got our selfies with him. And I was just so excited that I wasn't paying any attention. <laughs> and I turned around and walked straight into the revolving door. <laughs> NYPD officer was pushing it from the other side coming in. And I banged my face on like the edge of the revolving door. <laughs> and I nearly knocked myself out. So like seriously, I nearly knocked myself out. And I was laying like on the couch in the lobby. They had to call for paramedics. Oh no. <laughs> A oh, slight my. concussion. My, my face was swollen and I had like this big fat cut on, on my upper lip and I'm laying there and this guy comes up, like Med had never already gone. And this guy comes up, he says, I saw the whole thing happen. You know, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. You know, I'm concussed with paramedics. I said, I got a picture with Meb. That <laughs> 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 was Meb's brother asking me if I was okay. Howie. <laughs> Absolutely. And how he knows Catherine very well. So again, it's this whole small world. Oh. So I'm there with a big flat lip and two black eyes and paramedics and cops. And I'm supposed to run the marathon the next day and I'm leading my team and this all happens in front of them. So, <laughs> so yeah, I have a big flat bloody lip and it was just one of those things. And then after the marathon, I drove past the hotel and it looks like I had taken the door, the revolving door off of his hinges because it was all like table. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? This is all part of the adventure. So I said, you know, when you come home from the New York City Marathon with two black eyes and a fat lip, you know you had a good time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't make up the true stories, right? No, you can't. So now I have this permanent scar that's like half an inch long on my upper lip. Oh. <laughs> Oh, classic. That's a great story. Yes, it is. I'm very proud of my, my Meb scars. <laughs> oh, you should be. Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. This has been such an amazing conversation. I honestly think that I could talk all day, but we will wrap it up. I want to thank you, uh, Fearless Deb, for your tenacity, for your example of becoming a woman a woman runner at any age you choose to start for your perseverance and really just for being an amazing ambassador for our sport. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It has been an honor and a pleasure to be here just sharing the stories. There's so much more to say too. We could talk for hours like you say. <laughs> well, when you, maybe we'll have to have you back on again in a little while to tell more stories. Thank you so much. It's it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm.